everyone, and welcome to Grip Lock, Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor, and we've got quite a bit going on today. Um, we had the Vintage Open last week, which was a Silver Series, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, a Silver Series. We also had the first major of the year, which people might not know. Yeah. Collegiate Disc Golf Nationals happened uh, last weekend down in North Carolina. Uh, and then we're going to jump over, look at Jonesboro Open, and talk through a few different ideas um, that uh, are possible for the future of disc golf. Let's look at the notes. Um, definitely going to be an interesting show, but starting off with the Vintage Open, I'm going to be completely honest with you right here. Okay. <laughs> I did not get to consume this tournament. And I was with you, so... Oh, okay. Well, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we were in the same we were, place. Yeah, we were busy with uh, the clinic going on this weekend, and then I had a pretty full Sunday doing a bunch of mulch stuff around the back of my house. So I never got to watch this tournament, unfortunately. Um, but we do know the results, which was uh, Calvin Heimberg well, it taking also, it down. It also ended on Saturday. It also ended on Saturday. So we were busy Sunday Saturday. was irrelevant. So Sunday was irrelevant. <laughs> Completely ignore everything I just said. Calvin Heinberg takes it down two strokes over James Conrad coming in second, Nico LaCastro coming in third, and when we looked at our predictions from last week, you were able to get two out of these three correct. Yes. Uh, I, on the other hand, was able to get zero out of these three correct, because I went Kevin Jones, Chris Dickerson, and Ricky, and um, we saw how that worked out for me. We kind of only made one safe pick, and he was also in my picks, Ricky, and he didn't pan out. Connor, can you look this up? Sorry, uh, can you look up on the Vintage Open? Where was Ricky? He was like he was like fifth or sixth, I think. Can you look it up? I just, I'm curious because Nico was already seven strokes out of the lead. Yeah, no, Ricky had a bad week. That's kind of wild. But he wasn't like out of the top ten. Yeah, the Vintage Open. I just want to see where he's at. While uh, Connor's looking that up, FPO, we had Sarah Hokum annihilating the field by eight strokes over Jessica Weiss, Katrina Allen in third on this one. I actually had two of the top three correct, and Trevor only had one of three. Yes. So overall, Trevor, you beat me last week with three of the six, and I had two of the six. Yes, Connor. Ricky was in fifth. Fifth. Place. Well, how many strokes was he out? Ricky, he finished at negative 16, so 10 strokes back from the 10 lead. 10 strokes back of the lead, and that's only a three-round tournament? Yeah. Wow. That's kind of shocking because Ricky kind of been on hot there for yeah, a little it was, bit. Yeah, it was an off run for him there. Yeah. yeah. Now, when we look at Dark Horse picks as well, because that's something we brought back for the Vintage Open, uh, we will be doing that again uh, this week with Jonesboro Open. Uh, me and Connor both tied with Justin McClune and Ian Burchett, or Burchett, Burchett uh, placing 39th. Trevor's pick, Trayvon Crow, placed 59th. So we're giving the, the win here to Connor. Uh, because he picked a lower-rated player. Um, and Connor is currently enjoying his coffee behind the scenes there <laughs> that Trevor went by and picked it up. Uh, we'll be doing that again. We're going to keep we're gonna keep the coffee bet going. Yeah. Um, there's no real cap on how much we can spend on coffee. But okay. they probably will be if I Within win. reason. That's like... Well, what, but who's... Reason, this, this I is think... Back, this is back to the time argument. Who, yeah. who is the reasonable I one? think... Okay, well, let me just... Let me go ahead and do it. The we time hard argument. limit. Let me establish that within reason is $6 or less. Okay. I mean, that's think like that's reasonable. The most, like, foo-foo cup of coffee you could ever want should foo-foo. be no more than $6. I mean, I've spent more than $6 on a cup of coffee. Yeah, because you've gotten... Like, okay, where are you, are you going to be able to spend that in, like, this area, though? Oh, on the right weekend, Yeah. Yeah, like if something special's in town. Yeah. Okay, well, let's just hope that doesn't happen. But $6 is the cap. And if you honestly, if you're that guy that's pushing the envelope, 
then you're like, we're just going to hate you. So like, it's up to you if you want to have friends or coffee. Continue. Coffee. Um, <laughs> going into, as we move on from the Vintage Open, we're going to take a look at college disc golf nationals. The national championship, collegiate disc golf. We're only going to be paying attention to D1. There is a D2 and a D3, um, also previously known as champ flight, first flight, second flight. Oh, they changed it? Well, it says champ flight, but then in parentheses D1, and it makes a whole lot more sense for the world to just say D1. Yeah, because champ you say, flight and I first flight. I play first flight, then everyone's like, oh, you're on the highest flight. You're like, no, no, no. There's a champ flight. It's like, what? Why? The first year that I played and I was on first flight and like I, when I told people that I didn't correct them. No. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I came 11th in first flight and they're like, oh, you were 11th in the country. And I was like, maybe, (laughs) maybe if I was playing champ (laughs) flight, maybe. Uh, yeah. So D one, D two, D three. That's how I'm referring to it. Uh, if we look at men's D one, we have Georgia taking it down in a playoff. This is the first time in my memory I believe it was like 2014 or something, maybe 2015, that collegiate disc golf has went to a playoff to decide the team champion. Yeah, that's it's pretty been, cool. It's been a while, pretty sick um, to see that. There's some highlights on Innova's uh, social medias. I actually haven't seen if there's any coverage of this out. I haven't They're seen any be, right? promoted. They're supposed to be. Fulcrum Media was supposed yeah, to be there. College disc golf, it's not really mainstream yet. But like you almost, you have to follow them to like know. There about was a it. chance that we were going to do coverage. It just didn't work out weekend wise. We couldn't get the crew there and everything. Yeah. Um, I wish we could have because it would have been awesome to be able to bring this to the forefront. It looked like fun. I can't lie. I was looking at like all of the teammates like hanging out and playing college disc golf nationals, and I was very jealous. It made me miss it. I was like, man, take I'd me back. I'm going back to college. Yeah, I still yeah. got two years of eligibility. You got six years. Really? I've only used four. I've only used. Three. So you got you got three more years. Let's go, let's go get our masters. Yeah, you know right. what? Forget foundation. Let's go back if and get our MBAs. For it, yeah. <laughs> let's go work for Liberty and get our MBAs. Um, so Georgia takes it down to playoff over Missouri S and T. They came in second. Team. Georgia historically has had like pretty solid teams, but never like challenging at all. No, no. The best team in Georgia used to be. We're going way back. It was um, Dustin Perry played for him. Uh, Best team. Are you talking Augusta? Augusta. Yeah. Yeah, because it used to be there. It was like their home courses. Right. You were coming to their home turf. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Georgia taking now Missouri S&T second, Texas A&M third, the men's powerhouse in Ferris State. Um, I don't know how good of a team they had this year, but they did not take it down. But the women were able to continue their domination by Ferris State women's taking it down, uh, Clemson coming in second, and then South Alabama coming in third. Yes. Now, one thing about collegiate disc golf is – there is the team championship that we just went through. Then within that, there's also the individual championship. So uh, there's kind of two different parts to it. So on the men's individual, we have David York from Georgia winning by two strokes. Yeah. Someone said I had a ringer. I've never heard of him. Yeah, I think he was a newer newer player. Yeah. Uh, enjoy my phone's my computer background here. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. Um, if you're listening on audio, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the TV behind us just glitched. Um Men's individual, we had David York from Georgia winning by two over Tyler Fink from Missouri S&T. And then Mark Anderson, from also from Missouri S&T, came in third. Is that the guy who won? Well, who's, didn't the guy Mark who, Anderson won my senior year, yeah, okay. 20, 2019. I, saying, I knew it was Missouri S&T guy. They're a powerhouse all and of a sudden. And then Michael Jort also tied for third in NC State. Yeah. One thing I want to mention here, though, is Missouri S&T came in second on the team. And this could be confusing because Mark Anderson and Tyler Fink were, taught, were in second and third place. They weren't on the same Missouri S&T team. So this year, uh, Missouri S&T, wow. like each team had their fielding teams of two. So yeah. normally you field a team of four. This year they broke it down to two to keep uh, 
make it easier to abide by social distancing and everything like that for COVID. They haven't made it clear if they're going back to four in the future or not. So he was like their but number three guy or their number four Mark, guy? Mark, so the team that came in second, the Missouri S&T team that came in second, when I was looking at it, it said Missouri S&T B. As <laughs> their B team? They could have fielded their B team as their better team being funny. I don't know. Because Mark Anderson was on the B team. I'm, pretty, he, I'm almost 90% an sure, and he was a national there, champion. The thing is, though, like a lot of the college teams are run as clubs, so there's like politics involved. That's true, too. Because it's just like the kids themselves are the ones choosing the teams. Yeah. It's not like where we were, where we had a coach. But I thought it was very interesting that the, the player who came in second and the player who came in third were technically on two different teams, even though they're the same school. Man, so like, really, if they would have put them together... That's a bummer. Yeah, like they, they might have walked away national champions there. Because they were in a playoff. so the, so They would have. They would have walked away national champions. Wow. Can that, you confirm that, Connor? Can you look up Collegiate Disc Golf National Championship? they got to be kicking themselves. Um, yeah, because like when I was looking at that, I was like, if Man, the first imagine? thought in my head was, how do you have a player in second and third and not win? And then I was like, oh, my word. Can you imagine the fight games? that would have broken out if they would have like argued over that guy being left off the A-team and then that were to happen? <laughs> yeah. Like They would have been at each other's throats. Like, see, this like, is what I told uh, you. Like, that, oh. Yeah, I mean... That stinks. That's a bummer. Look at uh, Missouri S and T. How well? No, well, it should be confirmed, right? Because they, if they were tied overall to go into playoffs. Well, I want to make sure. Uh, are you on the like the team results page? Yeah. Look at the Missouri S and T team. Who are the two players? They're tied for first. In oh, is this in singles or is it in team? Either one. Which one are you on? Well, I know that the uh, like the the doubles partners for the team is that what you're looking for? Yeah, that's what I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, Mark Anderson and Carl Eastman. Yeah, exactly. So that's their Missouri S and T B team. So yeah. Tyler Tyler Frank Tyler Fank. I don't know if I misspelled it. It's Frank Tyler, or Fank. It's Fank. F-A-N-K. It is Fank. Okay, he was on their A team. So yeah, it, it is confirmed. If they would have been playing together, assuming their double scores and everything would have been the same, yeah, they would have won. They would have won. Yeah, because he's 968 rated, and then the person that was on the other team that was rated higher up was 962 oh wow. wow so it would have been their two highest rated players maybe they went with the hot hand or something i don't maybe, know i don't know but that's that's i mean you're right if 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 that was a liberty team and we got on that bus ride oh, home there have been fights there would have been <laughs> someone would have got someone wouldn't have left that bus in one piece i mean they might have left in a stretcher um <laughs> michael jordan no surprise to see him there he's a like college disc golf mainstay yeah uh <laughs> nc state could have had one of the all-time great teams but raven, but raven newsom went on tour yeah instead of saying thank NC goodness state. for everybody else in college disc golf because if you had raven and jort like i'm sorry in their home state guys are not losing <laughs> the only thing about it is no team really had a home court advantage home no. course advantage because Less this travel, course though wasn't set up until like the week of the event yeah it had never been played before just less travel but um, right not a huge advantage yeah looking over at the women's individual we had whitney brown from southern arkansas which i feel like they've been a pretty dominant women's program for a little bit now right didn't they I win feel, a few I, years ago i think yeah i feel like they had they're the banana slugs right didn't or something they, like that yeah that's right <laughs> yeah i forgot about that yeah uh tiana half a day from ferris state came in second emily smith from Tennessee third and Alex Lambert from Clemson also tied for third uh Alex Lambert another one of those just mainstays in collegiate disc golf um I would imagine her and Jort have got to be pretty close to seniors because well, I played with both of them when I yeah played at the same time as both of them for m- most of my career yeah some guys just like are in college disc golf for seemingly forever yeah it does seem it's like, like that. Graham from Clemson like that guy's been on the team for like a long time you do have six years of eligibility yeah so if you, so go, if you get like, secondary education that's what yeah. happened uh one of the coaches at Liberty um Devin yeah Devin Swartz he went 
four years through, then went and got his master's, and so two he was able years. to play two more years. So he was there for six years of collegiate disc golf and played all six years. So I'm yeah. sure other teams are like, and now he's a coach, so he's been there every year. I'm sure other teams are like, how well, the heck is this guy still playing? And is the six-year eligibility, is that a club sports thing or a college disc golf thing? I think thing? it's a college disc golf thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So as long um, as they're keeping track. Assuming they're keeping track. Yeah. That's you might be able to get 10 years of eligibility out of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of my favorite majors of the year simply because it's kind of like one of those, I got to experience it. It's awesome. Firsthand, it's one of those things that like, I can go play Worlds, but I'm not going to get to experience it because I'm not in the top 10 or 15. Right. This is a major that like we were able to go and actually compete. Yeah. And so it's always something that like whenever this major comes back, I have like a special attach- attachment to. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year's format was a little different than normal. For those of you who aren't aware, like I had said, it is a two-player format. How it worked is basically they had two rounds of captain's choice doubles, one round of best disc, and one round of singles, which right. for the singles, they average their two single scores. So captain's choice is a scramble. I don't know why it's called captain's choice, and, and golf is just called a scramble. You play the best shot yeah. on each, and everybody throws from it. The way it used to be, though, whenever it was four-person teams, and you'd have like, that was when the format was a little bit unique because you'd have two teams essentially within the one team. Yeah, and you'd have like all And teams. so, yeah, it'd be like, it's like an alternate shot scramble. Yeah, almost. so basically it would be like if me, me and Trevor... And then Connor and Nick Carl. Yeah. If we're the foursome, Connor and Nick Carl are partners. Me and Trevor are partners. Trevor and I tee off on one. Connor and Nick Carl throw from wherever our disc lands. Then Trevor and I putt out from where their best disc lands. And then they tee off on two. Yeah. And you just alternate shot. But now they like took that. that out because this year with the two-person team, so it was basically just a straight-up two-man yeah. scramble. I will say that historically looking at college disc golf, the format has been the main weakness trying to figure out the best way to combine singles and doubles yeah. into it all. When they, I think my senior year um, was the best year that I had played it. Because so originally, the original format, collegiate doubles was always the main thing in doubles. You never played. If you had four-man teams, yeah. you always played that. Then originally, you took the top three scores and you dropped the fourth. So that way, that would be better. If you weren't, if you didn't have like a super deep team or if someone blew up, it gave you a little bit of, you know, cushion. And then they went, you take all fours no matter what. Yeah. My senior year was my favorite one. It averaged all four. Because the reasoning behind that was mm-hmm. my junior year, uh, Mississippi State, we, there's two rounds of singles, absolutely destroyed everyone. And yeah. I think they literally won by like 40 some strokes. Right, it yeah. wasn't even, it wasn't, it was at that point, the doubles didn't even matter. The doubles well, that's, you that's how it was like five strokes. That's how it was like every year. Yeah, the doubles. Any good team was going to be within a couple strokes with doubles. It was basically just a singles tournament. Yeah, you just showed up and you had to play two good rounds of right. singles and you won. Exactly. But when by averaging the score, it just makes like another doubles round. Like if everyone can play decent, yeah, but, the most you're going to lose is probably like four or five they did strokes. the math though and it really didn't change by that many strokes. Yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, it did. I think it changed by like on Miss, average. Mississippi, like, S&T, Mississippi State, sorry would have won by i believe um it was something like like 10 strokes the year they won by 40 how is that possible though how is it not well okay like so what is so like if i beat you if me and you are playing against each other right yeah i on you there's four of you there's four of me i beat you by 10 strokes around i'm up 40 on you yeah if we average it i'm only up 10 gonna take a while i just remember reading an so article shoot, about the new format two, and it made it you, seem like if all four of you shot a 54 and all four of me shot a 44 if you add them all together i'm up 40 all right okay if you average it i'm up 10 uh, yeah okay I get that's where now. it takes away that 
Because that's what they did is they had like all four of them were first team all Americans, meaning they finished in the top like yeah. ten places. So I they just slapped the whole field around. Once you average it, it made it a little worse. So that's what they did here with the two person teams now. I don't know if I I don't know if I like it and would like it to stay two person teams or go back to four. No, I like the four person team format was really fun. I don't think it would have been as much of a problem if there were more teams. The whole idea I think was you would play doubles and you'd have the singles in the middle. And then the whole idea was after singles, there'd be teams close enough where doubles would matter. The problem was in college, disc golf is not big enough yet to where every year there's going to be a few teams that are just so much better than everybody else. I think if the teams were closer to each other in skill level, it would be fine because you would still at the end of the day after singles have enough teams close enough that like, Hey, doubles would be, you know, like it might only separate by a couple strokes, but that's that's all you need. It seemed like it worked. But yeah, because I mean, there was the less people. Teams. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think you should be rewarded for having a deep team, though. But that's why I like college disc golf is just a yeah, college disc golf is just a little bit. It's not quite there yet to where there's enough schools with four guys who yeah. are all going to be good. It was almost like so originally when we played, you did have to qualify this year because of COVID and stuff. They weren't able to get a lot of qualifiers in. So I think yeah. any team could have entered um, when you did have to qualify. There was like that. But there was always the, like the top half of the field probably showed up thinking they had a chance to win mm-hmm. but the bottom half showed up ready to party is basically yeah, how it broke down but and then every year literally it would be a two or three horse yeah race. by the end of the weekend it was a two or three horse week after like but after, after the, the first singles. singles round yeah the yeah. first singles round there would be very clearly a well, couple teams that had a chance let's look at my i mean this has nothing to do with anything the last year you the last year you that. played it was nc state and ferris but state. how far ahead were they, they were like 10 strokes yeah that's what i'm saying that's not that bad so that's mis- but not but it, ahead. It they're o- ahead of us. I don't think they were ten strokes ahead of. No, no, no. The the top two teams were close, but nobody else was in it, which is like somewhat exciting. But that's at least somewhat exciting because that was the whole issue previously was the top team and then no one. Like no, it I wasn't. Don't, I don't think it'll happen like that anymore. But I still think there yeah, should be was, more than two Ferris teams. State won by three strokes over NC State our senior year, and then we were fifteen strokes behind yeah, them. I don't like that. But that was just because. Oh, wait, they did do all four. They didn't average. Ah. Our senior year. Why didn't they average? Oh, I think I think they entered, like, they talked about it, but, but then didn't, didn't implement it? it. Yeah. I completely remember that differently. So that's why. Yeah. It would have been closer, Because we lost um, almost 10 strokes to the leaders in singles. We got smoked in singles, which is not yours or Ryan's fault. <laughs> it was me and Pete's fault. We got in doubles, we hung around. Battered. No, yeah, we always. The thing is, if you're a good, if you have a good four players that are like at least like around a 950 or even even lower level, like you're gonna hang around in single yeah. or in doubles. This is yeah, I think. But I, I do think that the two the two <laughs> player teams makes it easier for a fan to watch. Yeah, because it's gonna be it'd be going back to the four person and the collegiate doubles. Watching it from a fan's perspective, if you've never seen college disc golf, it would be very hard to follow. Yeah. Because it would just get confusing as to like, okay, Hunter and Trevor just teed off. Okay, now why are two other guys in red polos throwing? I don't think it's that confusing. I don't Regardless, the biggest problem I see with it is just the lack of like coverage and promotion. Yeah, I I agree. I don't want to say it's their fault. Yeah, no. uh, It isn't not because like it's pretty hard. Yeah, but like if you're not following them, like I don't. 
I, I maybe it's the rest of disc golf. That's what I'm saying. Fault I don't for know like if it's college disc golf's it. fault. But like, where can you? You can't really. There's not really coverage every year. I think yeah. they're supposed to be this year. But Which like, that could technically be partially our fault because they they thought we were coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, there should be there should be we, coverage. We told of them it. plenty of time ahead of time that we. And then but. like, I think it'd be great if they could get like if they could get it on the disc golf network. Like that would have been sick. That yeah. would that would help a lot. But like, because like college disc golf like is is pretty cool. Well, college sports in general is like. You, you pick a team and you stick to that team. You know the team in and yeah. out. It's well, a whole different following. and yeah. a whole it's a, College disc golf is even a whole different sport than normal disc golf because you're not rooting for an individual player. You have like a full team, a force, yeah. and you know their strengths, their weaknesses. And there's high-quality players. Like a lot of your up-and-comers, like Raven, and, yeah. and like the guys that show up on the pro tour, some of them come from college. Like, yeah. So they it's a good a, place to find You just had too. a list of notable pros that had come out of college. Yeah. And there's there's a decent amount of them. It'll I do get, think that get there um, eventually. Eh? One thing we used to do on Grip Locked every single weekend, uh, going back like a year plus ago when we were more involved in the college disc golf scene, is we did have a college disc golf segment that we covered it week in and week out. Yeah. This year we didn't do it because there wasn't a college disc golf season because of COVID. Obviously, right, yeah. the whole disc golf world obviously got mixed up. But this upcoming August, when normal season starts, I am going to be including collegiate disc golf back like the tournaments and results so we can hopefully yeah. be a part of the solution of yeah maybe we just gotta developing get, maybe we gotta lines. you know lead the charge get more involved with colleges we'll golf. start developing the storyline and stuff because obviously when we used yeah. to cover it grip locked was maybe a fourth of the size it is now right so i think that we could be one of yeah. the leading charges of yeah, letting you golf. develop these stories and stuff so that when nationals rolls around you already know so much about like oh well ferris has been having a dominant season this year Right. And there's a lot of like logistical stuff that's got to be worked out, like conferences, qualification well, process, and the, stuff like the, that. The but. number one problem really is that other than literally Liberty, I think they're the only one. Everybody else is a self-governed club. No. Uh, Ferris State has, not only does Ferris State have an actual coach, Leonard, they also have scholarships. Okay, so how many is there though? How many club sports teams is there i would say four four Three or out four. of the hundreds probably out of uh, probably like 170 another issue too is college disc golf doesn't rotate and it's always located on the east coast because of right because it's so, so close a, lot to of so a lot of the good teams on the west coast like oregon it was a huge effort for oregon to get yeah. here and you also the first time oregon ever saw any team they're going to see in collegiate nationals yeah. was at nationals right it's it's i will say like it's tough and as much as i like feel pretty meant about the ncaa there's got to be some kind of governing body that can get like like so it can get, it's got to get funded by the schools more because the thing yeah. is too when it's being self-governed um like when those guys who are running the clubs passionately graduate and move on like it's hard teams, to, teams can just dissolve and it's like, similar to an actual disc golf club like yeah. when you have a president of a disc golf club who is great with the community has a lot of local ties you know does a lot with courses and stuff like yeah. that and then they decide to step away and move on right it's really hard to replace that person. There's always yeah. a few years of like, uh oh. Yeah, Bill. it's kinda it's kinda up to the uh-oh schools Bill. to start adding them. Um in there really <laughs> make a uh oh Bill's shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. We'll saw it next to the clock shirts. Now that we got we gotta actually make those. But yeah, I think I think it's like, cause it's it's so weird. Like we are like the very small minority with our disc golf experience to where everything yeah. is like funded and governed by like the school to where a lot of teams like aren't even allowed to use their school's logos and yeah like, nc state what the right. heck NC- there's a lot of schools like that i mean i noticed i felt bad for them because they would always talk about it and they had yeah. to be like the i forget what it was but basically they like nc state made them where they couldn't use their logos on their polos 
They couldn't run NC State stamp discs anymore. Yeah. It was weird, which now I think there's a course going in at NC State. I yeah. think they might have turned around a little bit. but Once colleges like accept disc golf in as like a real sport in their programs, like that's when you'll really start to see it grow, I yeah. think. Because that was one thing is um, we were able to – like the, our club sports program did provide us with backing in the fact of like we were able to have transportation provided. We right. were able to have uniforms provided. We were able to have, heck, even Prodigy sponsored the team right. to where we were able to have like team bags. Well, the transportation alone is the, is that's the big, big one. thing. Yeah, because a lot of, I mean, Oregon, like they had to self fund flights to yeah. get across the country. And a lot of them, yeah, a lot of teams like are just like we had like lodging too. Oh, we also had like prioritized scheduling so our classes didn't like yeah we were able to get our classes and exactly how we needed it we also fair, were able school, to get the club sports program is run like so big it's like a d3 you know yeah. NCAA program. We were, i mean heck you were even able to like easily get out of classes whereas other yeah. schools would be like yeah you know our best player couldn't make it because his capstone a test yeah or whatever yeah it's definitely something that... And we even had an indoor practice facility. Well, that was just football. We, that was just the football. We were allowed to use it. Though. But we got to we use were, it. We were able to use it. It was very sick. Uh, but I think you're we're right. We're so spoiled. Everybody hates us right now. All the college, uh, yeah, I know. All <laughs> the college players hate us right now. I mean, now. Liberty, Liberty's already a meme in college disc golf just because our bus got stuck before either of y'all, <laughs> yeah. even before I came to school. We've been a meme for years. But um, regardless, I think you're right. A big part of it isn't even anything college disc golf itself can control. Yeah. It's like the school's getting funding. Clemson was very right. close to being on that club sports list yeah i think they were like one of the next schools coming in and when i was out they're like the most consistent club besides like yeah. us and ferris state yeah ferris so was the first club they had ferris practices indoors uh but pretty sure they have school transportation and they have scholarships when you win so it like you can live and there's a school in tennessee titles, that has scholarships when you now. win enough titles it it speaks for itself like yeah. schools love having national titles and things yeah well, that's <laughs> what i'm saying is like yeah, I, Liberty is probably the bigger example of like the club sport and like whatever. Yeah. But no, no one was on scholarship at Liberty. There, there are schools now. I don't that, know what like, you're talking about, man. I was getting paid a hefty sum to be. I there. mean, what a waste of money that was. Um, <laughs> I was a five star blue chip recruit. <laughs> <laughs> they saw they saw that eight seventy rated fourteen year old Trevor, and they just were licking their chops. They saw the potential, um, which never went anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I mean, to think of being a high schooler and getting offered like i don't think it's a full ride but some type of scholarship because yeah. of how good you are at disc golf scholarship the whole scholarship that's thing. amazing yeah i mean you might get some money but like i mean other than like football and basketball i think it was like a twenty thousand dollar a year that, that i that pulled that number out of nowhere but i'm fairly positive cannot be correct i'm almost positive it was something big because everyone thought it was like, like shoot I there's like Paris. pretty big sports programs like volleyball teams even baseball teams like those kids aren't getting full scholarships not all of them well some are I mean, so, D1. I, listen, <laughs> I've, I've seen scholarship budgets before. They're a lot worse than you think. Like when kids go to school to play sports and they say they're on scholarship, some of them are barely getting anything. Well, I know that because yeah. I've, I've had friends who played on cer- certain yeah. teams. I won't say it. Football. But gets, I've had teams, friends play on certain teams. Football and gets like. On scholarship. Yeah. Football might get like, have like 50 or 60 full rides in their budget, whereas baseball might have three. Yeah. And like those full rides, they can either give them the kids or split them up amongst their entire team. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I know. Cause like some people were talking about like what they got for their, and that's their at a D1 and I was school. Like, to be honest with you, you might've been better like declining that and just getting like tuition grants. And right. Stuff. Yeah. Like the, I got like some Virginia tuition grant and like all yeah. this other stuff. And I was like, I think I'm getting more scholarship than you. 
when it's all said and done. But you know what? You can't you can't put a price on those sick pullovers they're going to give you. I would have sold that, my soul. Not and those dope backpacks they get to carry. I would have done a heck of a lot to be able to get some Liberty basketball merch or even heck, if yeah, I went man. to Duke and I could get some Duke basketball like sweatpants. If you've seen those recruiting visits, man, mm. you show up, they they put you in the full uniform, take the fancy pictures, like it. Recruiting I would pay. I don't know if there's a number that I would pay to have full Duke basketball gear. It'd be a lot. Where are you gonna wear it? Like when are you? Nowhere. Gonna... I just want it. <laughs> just want Sick. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll sleep <laughs> like, in it. I'll sleep in my JJ Red. I don't like have any desire to have like a full uniform. Like I'll Not have. Like, like I don't need the uniform. I'm saying like the sweats, the like yeah, official okay. hoodies. Yeah, that, that like, stuff's cool. Yeah, yeah. Like a, say, like, I, like an equipment manager. Right. The backpack that says Duke basketball. Mm. I could have done a lot with that. All right, it's time for the fan favorite segment of Trevor's trivia. What you got for me today, Trevor? <laughs> All right. That segment went so many different places. College disc so golf fast. is an interesting topic, man. It There's is a lot sure. to be said about college disc golf because it's not on a lot of people's radar, but it exists. All right. So I found another uh, really cool article by UDISC. They do some really cool stuff with their data. Um, and this one was cool because they had two lists. They had this is written in January. So think of this data as of January. They had the top 10 earners of all time in disc golf, but then they adjusted it for inflation. And I thought that was really, oh. I thought that was really cool. It doesn't completely shake things up all well, no, the way because disc golf's not that old yet. But you know, there were a lot of people that got bumped up spots. The same ten people are are in the list, um, but f- a few people got shifted around. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if you can, uh, how many you can name in that top ten first, and then I want you. To try and give it at once, you know the top ten. I want you to try and adjust it for inflation. Paul's number one. Paul is number one. Ken Climo's in there. He's number two. Uh, Ricky's got to be in there. Number three. I'm pretty sure I saw Discraft make a post where Yuli had snuck in there. Yuli's number seven. Okay. Um, past that, this is where it gets tough. Because you would think, like maybe a player like Nico, who's been Nico's on tour for in so there. long, number six. See, this is how you play these games. You just yeah. you just throw out an idea. I want to help you. Yeah, let's say you think a player like Nico. Well, you're you could also think like a Barry Schultz, number four. Um, and man, the older guys are gonna be the tough ones. Because like Nate Doss, I feel like didn't tour enough. He's number nine though. Frick that he did. Um, because mm. there's only there's two names you're missing one name that you probably could get and then there's two more names that you're probably not going to get they're pretty tough they're not they're definitely very notable players tell well, me the era they played in so one of them is like, a, do they still play today n- number five on this list does not play anymore well he doesn't tour at least and he is a world champ and he's had his name on a disc and he's number five on this list so he's pretty high up there he's a world champ. i think he's a one-time world champ Oh, is it Avery Jenkins? No, good guess though. Dave Feldberg. Dave. He does still play. I saw him at Waco. But he doesn't tour all over the place. Maybe not, but yeah, yeah, he was at Waco. So then the last two, one of them is kind of an OG disc golfer, doesn't play anymore, actually owns a disc golf business. Steve Rico. There's number eight. And the last guy does still play. And actually this year is having a good season, although he's kind of like an old, not an old timer, but a guy's just been around a long time, but he's having a good season this year. Really smooth player. Kalavisca? Yeah. He's on the top 10? $266,000. Good for him. So now that you know the top, the top 10 is Paul, Kenny, Ricky, Barry, Dave, Nico, Yuli, Steve Rico, Nate Doss, and Kalavisca. Now, 
adjusted for inflation. Now give me your list. Paul is still number one. He's not. Ken Climo's number one. Ken Climo adjusted for so Ken Climo. How did they adjust this for inflation? Someone went in and like his winnings from 1990 started the inflation there, like they mm-hmm. did every year. Yeah. It's not that hard. You just go year by year. So Ken Climo made $435,452 in total. Adjusted for inflation, it's 619417 Was Paul's adjusted for inflation too? Yeah. Okay. But it's not. His Paul's adjustment bumps him up like 40K. But what is it too? How much? Like, 552000 So he's actually- Pretty quite, far behind. Pretty far behind, yeah. Shows how dominant Climo was really. <laughs> like, that's I guess pretty, he did win 12 worlds. Yeah, he did. <laughs> So that would make, well, 15 if you include his three masters. Yeah. So well, I'm already. The other list, remember, was Paul, Kenny, Ricky, Barry, Dave, Nico. That was how it started. Now this one, you started with Kenny and then Paul. Kenny, Paul. So your old, the other three was Ricky. Now, before, oh, I can't ask that question because then I can just do math. Uh, I think I'm going to go Barry. Correct. Barry has adjusted for inflation. Barry goes up about 113,000 to 529,000 career Sheesh. earnings. Sheesh. Um, I'm going to stick with Ricky next. It's not. It's actually. Idiot. Why would you do that? It's Feldberg. Feldberg jumps Ricky. Oh, wow. See, he would be at 507,000 adjusted. So then Ricky's next. Ricky that. would be next, but he's at 460 adjusted for inflation. Oh, so that's not so He's well behind as well. Um, well what other what other older players are past that? So your last players left are um, Nico, Yuli, Rico, Doss, and Kale. There's only one more switch. So oh, it's got to be Rico bumping up. Yep. So he jumps to the next spot on the list. No. He, so goes, it's Yuli next. No. I don't, I, I'm lost where I'm at. <laughs> it goes Nico at six, and then Rico just jumps Yuli. The, oh, big, okay. the big, honestly, the only thing I was shocked at was um, that I thought this list was cool was, A, just how crazy Climo's winnings are. Like, he's still up 70,000 adjusted for inflation, which is fair because it like that's the correct number, really. Yeah. And then Barry having such a commanding lead still on Felberg and Ricky and to be well, fair Barry, Barry's still Barry's playing. still making in money yeah, yeah like he still kind of dominates to be Barry, honest yeah Barry's still no joke he, around he, the he North could, Carolina scene I feel like Barry I don't know what he made like last year but I feel like Barry could still make like 20 can you grand. look that up what did Barry make last year I bet, he, I bet he made 20 grand and that doesn't even include his B sales and stuff like that which obviously none of this does because then Paul would be yeah. way above yeah if you so. did disc sales well never mind I don't know though because Climo man Paul would still beat Climo I'm I'm pretty skills. positive. Yeah, because, just because how much more popular sport. Well, you also have to think there wasn't really tour series discs in Climo's era. Yeah, but there's so many discs with his name on. There are, but tour series discs are getting players like three there? to four dollars per one, and a you signature gotta, series getting like. You do also have to remember to that probably. back then, every single person threw Innova. <laughs> like every single guy threw it's like the true, same. But, then, but Paul also had a a decent chunk of his career with his name on the most popular Innova discs. It's true. Yeah, I don't know. Those would be fascinating numbers. That but would we be. would never know. We'll never that. we'll never know that. Innova, please. Yeah. <laughs> please. Give us the data. We want to know. It's for educational purposes. We won't say it. We won't say it. We would definitely say it. Connor, uh, Connor what are you looking Talk at here? Talk to me. You're talking about like the like prize money for tournaments this year? Last, Last year. year. Last year. Okay, so twenty twenty. Yeah. I was about to say this year is not Yeah, probably hasn't made much. He probably made like six thousand this year. He made seven thousand eight hundred thirteen last year. That's, That's it? it. Yeah. How many? Well, okay. Go to twenty nineteen because it was COVID a short year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. 
2019 is okay. Eighteen thousand four hundred. Yeah, yeah, right about twenty k. Yeah. Okay, and I would imagine he'll he'll be he, able to kind of he can sustain still do that. that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty impressive. For yeah. I mean, he, with how many young guns there are right now. Well, well he, he's staying local. That's yeah. true. Most of his terms are probably North Carolina. He can Carolina. still win open in North Carolina, and if it's a big event, he'll I mean, just he go, can still. Yeah, didn't he just win the Dogwood? He just went to Masters in Dogwood. And that's what the, won, that's yeah. what he'll do. Him and uh, Schwebe. Taberski and Schwebe. Uh pretty much he's like. Not old guys. The Masters just like, division is brutal. Yeah, the Masters Carolina. division. Like, if you're not shooting, you got like to be like ten twenty rated. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're filthy. I mean, yeah. any one of them could go to open and either win or cash every weekend. Think, but they just know I it's guaranteed. I think Barry would have won. He would have won open, wouldn't he? He, he was. He would have been close. Yeah. yeah. At one point, he was dead. He had a pretty commanding lead in open. Yeah. If he was in open, the last event we were at, we're talking about. Yeah, the Masters. But that's just what they do. And I mean, they're all so good, but they just know like. It's more guaranteed money in Masters yeah. than if I try plant open. Smart guys. Yeah, I mean, they know what they're doing. That's one thing is, like, I feel bad for people just getting into the sport that are missing out on, like, the Barry Schultz, even, like, the... I mean, there's just so many, like, great players. It's true. Barry Schultz is the one that I watch the most of just because I watch a lot of North Carolina golf. But, yeah. I mean... There's not a lot of footage You can name of, it anywhere. There's not a lot of footage. There's a lot of footage of him because he stayed active into his older age so yeah. much. And Schwebby. You gotta like, dig for Ken, Kenny, yeah, you can find him out of his prime, but like in his prime, you're barely ever gonna Yeah, see. you gotta find very few. I've never really seen much. But even like the the Avery Jenkins, like the, the good shoestrick era, mm. like there is a lot of good golf that was love played. The, love the good shoestrick the, the era. The <laughs> original, the like when Paul and Ricky were both just bursting onto the scene. Like, That's like my favorite If you've never watched watch. 2014 Worlds... That is the great 2014 Worlds. Try man, Paul's first Worlds is really fun to watch. 2014 is the playoff, right? Yeah, but 2012 is the year. Like the final card is him, Ricky, Shoestrick, and MJ. Yeah, I'm talking the 2014 finish. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, that's like the greatest event that's ever happened. That's what I'm saying. If you've never watched that. That's yeah, all I said. It's if true. You never watch it. I understand that doesn't really represent the era you're talking about. No, but that's like when I think of a Paul and Ricky battle, that is the that one is, my mind I mean, goes that's the time. best one has ever been. I think Paul, at one point, Paul said he had to birdie like, was it like 20, 25 his last 27 holes or something like that to win that event? I, I remember him going off in like round seven or whatever heck. It they, was something crazy. They did some so that back it then. It was in the, the greatness formats. documentary that Paul documentary they did. Oh, yeah. He had said how he had a birdie like X amount of the remaining holes to to even get into that playoff. Yeah, it was. It, he led a charge down yeah. the final stretch. I mean that that era of Paul with those four worlds. Every year he like I feel like every year he was out of it, and then I know we're just like course record, course record, course record, and Except like 2015. He was on like the third card and then went like course record, course record, course record, and then was up by so much that yeah. the, vic- the final nine was just a victory lap. Right. Yeah. Like it was ridiculous. You know, that's what, that's the type of stuff that I don't think we'll ever see in disc golf again. A uh, one player doing it like that. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. I mean, one thing I thought was funny is I actually saw a video recently that was shared on Reddit where Ken Climo, Paul, and Dave Felber were doing a signing mm. in 2012 before Paul was even a world champion. And the current, at that time, his name was Brian something. He was the uh, PDGA, like the president of the PDGA or the director of the PDGA, whatever that uh, the main title is. He was like introducing this video that was just going to be like a highlight of them doing the signing. And he was like, he introduced Ken Climo as the Tiger Woods of disc golf. And he's <laughs> like, and next to him is this up-and-comer Paul McBeth. And then we got, you know, uh, the ma- a mainstay on tour, Dave yeah. Felberg. Well, at that point, I mean... Climo in 2012 was still top 10 in the world. Like, he hadn't quite really faded Yeah, yet. I know. That's what I think. Yeah. It was like, it's just funny because it was like right before Paul had like become the Tiger Woods of disc golf. 
and then yeah. we have yeah those those eras like smoothly transition but yeah it's i mean there's no indication of that like i don't with how good the players are right now like it's very hard to say that somebody could come along like the the guys winning tournaments right now are shooting almost perfect so and like unless there's somebody that comes along that never makes mistakes like then, they're not gonna have a stretch like and, this in like 2015 they even might win in, like, a couple of worlds era you could be very very good but yeah. there was room for you to be great and have a few mistakes to win because it didn't yeah. take perfection you can't what is going on it didn't take perfection <laughs> to win but you can't nowadays, do that right now yeah it has to be perfect like if you show up and you slip up a little bit then yeah Robot Chicken or Calvin Heimberg or somebody's gonna beat you. Someone's gonna someone's gonna play perfect that round, right, pretty yeah. much. I mean, not actually perfect, but you know what we're saying. Close to it. Yeah. I mean, it, like I mean, I fifteen like, under. Yeah. Nowadays, there's that's why I've talked about. That's why I made that bet at the beginning of the year that I knew Paul was gonna come top three every event because it requires too good of golf nowadays. Yeah. In 2015, Paul could slip up a little bit and still come in first, second, or third. Nowadays, you slip up a little bit, you're out of the top ten. Mm-hmm. And that's golf. It's just we haven't seen that in disc golf very right. much yeah. until now. But every time it happens, even with like Paige, people the, are like, oh, well, the thing all it, days are over. Yeah. The, the thing Paige is, too, over. though, I will say is like the reason like Tiger Woods and ball golf was able to have that era kind of dubbed the Tiger Woods era is he was not winning the kind of cons- as consistently as Paul was winning in 2015 or whatever. Um, but winning is such a more big deal in ball golf because of how hard it is because of how many good players are out there. So winning four times, five times in a season is like, you just had a season for the history books. Well, that's when, that's where disc golf's head. So yeah, I'm saying like there will be, once we get to that point where we're used to it being so hard to win, it will take less for, we might feel like somebody's having one of those errors again. It just won't be the same exact. Well, thing. it's like you were just saying at you the also, masters who missed the cut does it was it Dustin Johnson. No, Kepka. And yeah, and Brooks DJ. Kepka. Kepka and DJ both yeah. missed the cut. So that's and Dustin like, Johnson's the number one player in the world. That's what I'm saying. That's like <laughs> there being a cut and like literally Ricky and who would Brooks Kepka be? Like Kevin Jones, maybe? Even better. Kepka's been like the most one of Eagle? the most dominant Yeah, like Eagle. So like Ricky and Eagle both missed the cut. Right. And imagine that just not being a storyline. Yeah, it was there like might be like an article written about yeah, it. Yeah, it was like it's mentioned, but nobody's like freaking out about it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like that's how competitive it is. That's what I'm saying. In disc golf, we're not there yet. Yeah. If Paul, if there was a cut, like if Paul and Paul and Eagle or Ricky or any of them missed cash in an event, people would even yeah. Eagle at Waco when he missed cash in an event, everyone's like, hold up, right? Holy crap, what just yeah. happened? You know what I mean? Whereas like in ball golf, it's just like or real golf, whatever you want to call it, that's what they call it. <laughs> Did you see that? Did you oh, see that article yeah. where it said uh, Bryson? People were getting all upset about that. It's like whatever you know. Playing, uh, took a break from real golf, but yeah, no, like in golf, that's just a thing. I mean, they were the first one to name it golf, so they can really be whatever they want. <laughs> no, I call it golf and disc golf. If you that, ever hear me say I went and played yeah. around a golf. If I'm talking to a a disc golfer, I will say ball golf. If I'm talking to somebody just in my normal realm of like people that don't play disc golf, I'll just say golf. I'll call it ball golf, but I will never call disc golf golf is what I'm saying. No. Like I'm never going to say I'm going to go play around a it's golf. It's never going to be the more mainstream sport. And I mean, maybe hundreds of years from now. Yeah, but we like, won't be alive. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Anyways. I definitely think the, the parody in the sport is something that it's getting there it's getting to where it's getting really good this is what we want 2015 if you saw a paul Macbeth 10th place finish 
like, you would have been Whoa. like, holy cow, something happened. Yeah. 2021, you see a Paul McBeth 10th place or even a Ricky 10th place finish. Not that big of a deal. Like even at the Vintage Open, we mentioned it. We're like, man, he was on a hot streak. He just came in seventh and was that far out of the lead. All right, on to the next topic. Like yeah. it's not a main storyline. Right. That's just the parody because that just speaks to how good the rest of the field's got. It is so hard to win right now. Which is amazing. Yeah. I don't know. We've, we've always debated which one's better. It, it makes it, I think it makes more, it's more fun to root for guys too when it's so hard to win because then when they finally do win, it's that much sweeter. So I think the parody is better for play, for fans in the sport. I think domination is better for outside exposure. Probably. Because yeah. there's going to be storylines about Eagle going on a six win streak. Yeah. That might reach outside the sport. Whereas if Calvin wins, then Eagle, then Paul, then Ricky, yeah. that's better inside the sport because it's like, oh my word, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Yeah. But no one outside the sport cares. Um, regardless, let's look at Jonesboro and try to predict who's going to win. <laughs> um, so this is the, the first spectated event. Well, let's put a little qu- quotations on that because some of these events have had spectators, uh, but they've been very limited which this might actually still be limited. You had to pay to see, read the rest of the article. So actually, while I talk about this, Connor, can you see if you can find how many spectators are allowed at Jonesboro? Yeah. Because the article that we looked at was under a paid subscription that we don't have. Um, so we couldn't. So we couldn't see it. Pro journalists. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I know like Memorial had said no spectators, but then like people came to the park because you could be an a park goer right, right. and like there these are like the first like, like endorsed spectators yeah this is the first like the, the event i think it's a, a phase two event i believe which in my mind if i remember correctly means that spectators are able to basically buy a pass and be put with a card yeah. so like there's this amount of spectators and you're sticking to this card yeah and you get assigned to that card and you're not allowed to leave that card mm-hmm. so it's a very controlled environment yeah um, but regardless, it's going to be the first time that on camera and talked about their spectators, which paid spectators only 10 bucks a day, 20 bucks for a weekend pass or $75 for a VIP pass. You get a disc. Get you a disc and the ability to walk along the course following players along with a couple other small perks. So I'd imagine the like 10 bucks a day is more of the like they assign you and the 75 bucks give you a little more freedom. Right. Something like that. Maybe you get like first dibs on whichever card you want. And then if it fills up, you got to change or something yeah, like that. Maybe. Which is 10 bucks is reasonable. Like, yeah. Uh, and Pro Worlds is also a ticketed event. I saw a headline where they'd sold out of half the tickets. Yeah. But again, didn't really say how many that half the tickets were. No, I saw, I think it was like, I saw something. Go ahead, Connor. So um, this, it basically says like, if we allow spectators. So they're not even sure yet if they're going to open up spots for spectators. Jonesboro? Yeah. When is it? When was that written? Uh, ooh. This is a long time. They were in a long time ago. I was, I was gonna say, say yeah. they definitely are allowing them. There's okay, a new. This is on yeah. JonesboroOpen.com. Oh, okay. So I don't know why they wouldn't have some. This says categorized as latest news. Okay. Well, if they would have allowed it, what was the numbers? Because they uh, are allowing it. They out. they didn't even say yet. It just says um, they so, might open up tickets, but before that, it was just um, volunteers and staff will be allowed allowed outside of the zones, but the AM players will only be allowed. Um, to watch other than volunteers and staff and, Interesting. Have, and they would have to stay within three different zones and in zone one zone one you can see hole two hole one two nine ten and eighteen and then from hole two you can see hole four and five and hole and zone three uh, okay see, yeah so so they're, they're doing it instead of following a group it is like zones yeah you're not unless you're a volunteer or staff you're not allowed to follow so okay. pro, pro worlds yeah you, if you found the same thing. yeah so pro worlds they said they've sold about 500 of the thousand spectator passes they have 50 bucks a pop 50 bucks a person um so they've sold 500 of those 
They'll sell out. Uh, they'll they will sell out once it gets uh, especially closer. as it gets closer. Nobody knows about that really. Yeah, I mean, Ultra will just put out that article. So it's going to be spectators. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be more like little zones. A little bit different than what we're used to seeing. That's but a smart way to do it's, it, though. Yeah. It's an easy way to control the environment, make sure the players are safe, make sure the spectators are safe, yeah. and make sure that people can watch golf. Mm-hmm. Disc golf. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely uh, an exciting thing. And it brings up the question, you know, paid spectating, we've seen it in the past, but we haven't seen it across the board. So, I know Ledgestone has done this. They've also had, like, paid parking type things. Mm-hmm. USDGC has done it. Worlds has done it on and off. We obviously see it this year again. Uh, events have done it, but is this like a, a standard thing in the future? Like, is this yeah. the, the next step that disc golf's taking? No, it definitely is. Um, now, the thing about disc golf is a lot of times when the events are being held in public parks, uh, it's pretty. It can be hard to regulate a little bit. Um, but you know, it's obviously easy for anything that's under complete control by the event, whether they have the park, you know, well, rented I think, out. I'm pretty sure the pro tour doesn't do events unless they have full control. Okay. Nowadays. So in that case, then it shouldn't I be think that. that was the whole issue with that the was memorial. the whole memorial issue. Right. Cause they couldn't do that. So yeah. I think they probably did that thinking they want to switch to this model. Um, because yeah, like, you know, they're working hard and putting a lot of money into this product and the players are all doing the same thing. So like you know, to watch it, like you should be expected to pay a little bit of money. Like it's, it's not that crazy. They're not asking for a lot. You want to go for a day, 10 bucks, not a big yeah. deal. You get to watch what is now like a good product. These are the best players in the world. You know, they, they're, you know, touring around the country and like, well, I think it makes a, sense. A good way to get some extra either added cash or just right. funding. Like you're helping. Event. Yeah. You're helping the sport out. Cause I so. think to be honest with you, I've considered this a few different times and I'm pretty sure the battle for Bedford is going to be a like, five bucks a head mm-hmm. or five bucks a car um to watch type of event right like where because a parking's gonna be limited yeah it helps you b, also it helps you yeah it helps manage. you keep a, it helps you keep a cap right so you know what to how many Which people that's very important with covid too yeah um but we'll probably do like some type of like when you show up there's gonna be someone there you got to pay five bucks to get into park yeah. and then your whole car can watch the event type of thing um, but I definitely think that this is the future. I think the Pro Tour, I would imagine this is a regular thing. Like there's yeah. one, I think it, it th- I think it seems weird because we haven't had spectators. Right. I think this was yeah. already a pretty regular yeah, thing. Yeah, and it's just like, it's one of those things where it's just like kind of a no-brainer. It's not a big deal. Yeah, like, no, it's if you not, show up to an event, it's almost weird beforehand showing up and not yeah, paying. It's not, it's not going to be super costly. Like, no. it's not a big deal. Some events might. I mean, 50 bucks for, for Worlds, but still, that's 50 bucks yeah. you have to watch the that's whole like, World Championship. That's like going to do the Super Bowl. Like, that is, like, the biggest yeah. event. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that these, like, a VIP pass type thing will eventually be probably a few hundred bucks and stuff like that. And, yeah. well, VIP well, pass, I'm assuming, like, that gets it, you, like, a meet and greet yeah, player. Yeah, it's going to depend on what kind of amenities they can get, provide. But, like, yeah. this is, like, this is everywhere in sports. I do think that, like, the next step, though, I'm assuming that this is already a regular thing. So I don't really think this is the next step, the paid yeah. spectator. I do think the next step is stricter regulation on the spectators. Crowd so control. Like, yeah. So, mm-hmm. well, more so the separation of spectators and players. Right. So where, like, if you went, like, imagine going to the Masters, mm-hmm. right? Because that's, like, our worlds almost. Not really, but kind of. Sure. USDGC and the world. We'll use USDGC and the Masters. Yeah. Imagine going there. And you're just walking up to spectate the first hole, and you're walking literally this close to Tiger Woods. Right. And he's like, oh my word. Like, hey, right. of course I'm going to be like, Tiger, can you sign this? And yeah. he's walking to tee off on hole one. Yeah. there's That will happen in disc golf more times than not with Paul, Ricky, Eagle. Even at Ledgestone did a great job of like 
roping off the warm-up area and the Which tea area. USDC does that too. But then there's a space there's in between. Got, yeah, they got to rope paths. Mm-hmm. So like the fans can line up. They can, you know, try to get a high five or whatever. Yeah, because then like, the player's decision to like stop and sign stuff. It's up to them. And they can just put their head down and walk if they right. want. And yeah. it's not like a like, hey, I'm literally tapping on the shoulder. Like, hey, Paul, Paul, yeah. Paul. Like I'm just Don't standing. <laughs> I'm just standing in a, now I'm just standing there. And right. I'm like holding something out, and if you sign it, great. If you don't, great. Because then it's a, and that also adds to the prestige of the event. Yeah. Because now I feel like I'm there to watch something. It also makes it more special when I do meet the player. Yeah. Because right now it's, it's not like, that difficult, either. No. Just, just put up some ropes. Put some ropes. You already got. I mean, USDGC just, they, just yeah, lift just some, lift some, some from them, the yeah. course. You know, you got 15 miles of it out there. Right. Just put some. Well, theirs is a little harder to control because they're warming up. Pretty far away. Probably a quarter mile away from hole one. Yeah, not that far. No, it's like all the way down and around though. So you'd have to. But but it also would help with crowd control. Like not necessarily these zones like they're doing for Jonesboro as a long term solution, but having like it uh, spectators follow like this specific path and then you can't go into the woods type mm-hmm. thing because that gets way too crowded and then like you catch them back up when they come out here whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I think crowd control is the next step. Yeah, because there's going when whenever there's a first like we're fully back open, we allow anyone who It'll can come, and packed. it's a major. It's like USDGC or World. I mean, there's a chance that there's five to ten thousand people that yeah. are coming to watch it. Question mm-hmm. is, will the event be ready for that many people to show up? Yeah, and it's going to depend on the courses too, and there's just going to have to be like a different strategy to attack each course. Like, they're just going to need to hire somebody who's just an expert at crowd control who can like look at each course and plot out like this is where we can. Like, there are people that's their jobs, like logistics wise. Yeah, and like they just need to know like okay, these are the places we need to keep people away from. These are spots that are really important, and like just figure it out ahead of time and have a plan, and then it shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Like, I don't think disc golf fans are that rowdy that they're going to be hard to control as long as you no. make it very clear where they need to be exactly. and the, have enough volunteers. The biggest thing is, like, if you show up without enough volunteers and you have, like, one guy doing crowd control. Right. And then People will wander. There's that, like, in disc golf, there's, like, this, this gap, right? There's the players with their caddies. And then there's, like, the media of, like, Jomez and, like, the official media. And then there's like the the social media and like family crowd Mm -hmm. that the issue with that is they're like in front. And I've been a part of this group where you're that social media type crowd that you're like doing stories for players or important stuff, but not super important. Right. And you're like this inside line. And then there's the actual crowd control people. And what happens a lot of times is this inside line of family, social media people, whatever they may be the crowd will start coming up to them. Mm-hmm. But then you're trying to get stories and stuff, so you have to get closer. And then the crowd comes up to you. Right. To where, like, halfway through the round, sometimes, like, you're getting yelled at almost because it's like, you need to, like, stay up next to the player if you can't get too close because you can't... Yeah. There's rules that you can't be in front of Jomez, obviously, because right. they're the ones filming. Or even the live cameras can't be in front of them. So there is something where, like, there needs to be a physical barrier type of a thing. Some tournaments have used rope. That works great. But something where spectators have a visual. Because mm-hmm. if you just see like me and I'm wearing a, just a green shirt and I got a badge on, but from the back you can't see my badge, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, let's let's walk up here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the next thing you know, you're 10 feet from the players during their round. And that's yeah. where disc golf crowd can get out of control. But it's not like they're yelling and like tapping players on the shoulder, asking them stuff. Right. It doesn't get that far. It's just that it can, they can get too close to where if a player needs to go back and like get something from their bag there's like a crowd around it now yeah. type thing i don't yeah. know it can get weird for sure 
But uh, let's look at some predictions. Who do you have on the MPO side taking down Jonesboro this weekend? Uh, so I like went and going completely generic because I think this course plays not super tricky. So I think it's pretty simple to just go with the best players in the world. So I'm literally just going to go Paul Ricky Calvin because amateur I th- picks. I think Jonesboro just kind of plays true. And I know you're going to pick Kevin Jones, but I'm here to tell you Kevin Jones is not good. And I'm here to tell you I'm not <laughs> picking Kevin Jones. Okay, good. Thank I'm goodness. going Paul Ricky Calvin. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am going Calvin taking it down. I think he goes back to back. This yeah. was the site of like a, a big Calvin and Paul. Like this is one of Calvin's like big wins last year. Yeah. Um, true. Remember, I vividly remember that one putt he had like the in the woods. woods that somehow like so sick. He hit that like tree branch, but it didn't matter. And then he just like willed it in. Yeah, it was yeah. sick. Um, I do think Paul's going to come in second. He seems to do pretty well here in general. And then this third pick, I was influenced by these these Twitter accounts. Who've been doing the a bunch stat of stat war? Yeah, so there's like, uh, I think it was like Stat Mando and like so you're PDJ gonna pick stats. Yuli? That... I'm going Yuli. Yeah. Because they, they put out a stat where they were saying, like, like it's so hard to beat a 52 at the Jonesboro course. Like one of them said. The other one quote tweeted it and was like, well, that is true, but Yuli's also shot a 52 like the last three years and it's coming like fifth, sixth. And I feel like Yuli's having one of his like best years of his he's career a this good year. season, yeah. So I'm like, if he's already comfortable at this course and's already doing that in the previous years. Fair enough, fair enough. I think he sneaks into the top three. Hey. And if not, Bold choice. blame the Twitter accounts. Okay. <laughs> Don't blame actually. the stats. Numbers no, lie. I'm owning this. Paul Yulabari, top three at Jonesboro. That is a Trevor Stop guarantee. Um, <laughs> FPO, who do you have taking it down here? FPO, so I thought about this one. because obviously Paige won by like 13 strokes last year. Mm-hmm. And... I've tried to decide if Paige is just completely swallowed up by the pressure, but I think what I decided is after this latest ratings drop where she went to 977, I think this is she's low enough now away from the thousand rated that she's gonna play like she is like she's gonna finally be maybe angry, maybe play like she has nothing to lose again. And I think this is gonna I'm going to pick her now because if she doesn't, if she stinks this week, she will may never play good disc golf again because, <laughs> because I don't know what has happened to her, but I'm going to pick her to win because I think if she's going to have a breakout week, it's going to be here where she's so dominant last year. I'm going to pick Sarah Holcomb in second. It might be close. She's been playing really well lately. And then Kona is going to sneak in a third. Yeah. So I agree with Paige Pierce on this one. Um, and I, I literally just looked it up on Instagram if you're wondering why I was on my phone because I wanted to make sure I got this right. So... First off, it looks like both of us are idiots for not picking Double G because he's also on this stat. He's coming in 2017, didn't play the event. I will he take went, Paul Ricky and Calvin over Double G 100 out of 100 times. He went second place in 2018, <laughs> second place in 2019, third place in 2020. It is a bomber course. I don't, I don't care. I'm not changing my pick. I'm just. <laughs> I was looking at this graphic because the reason I picked Paige Pierce is 2017 first, 2018 first, 2019. First, 2020, it's first by really, 13. Yeah, it's difficult not to. Like, this is clearly an event that plays really well to her strengths, being pretty much distance yeah. and, like, there is danger and you have to, like, shape them, but you're shaping distance shots. You're not shaping putters through the woods. Yeah. Uh, so I've got to go Paige here, but I agree with you. This could be a troubling event if somehow she doesn't if win she this. doesn't, If she doesn't even, like, if she places, like, outside the top five, like, she's been, like, playing bad, like... Yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen to Paige. Uh, I'm going Haley King second because I also pick. think this is a somewhat good course for her. She has a massive forehand. Also, yeah. she can throw distance with the top of them, the best of them. I honestly think that like one of Haley King's things is just like has been decision making, and she has said that before on the course, right. making the right shot shapes, shot decisions, and stuff like that. If she can do that, I think this weekend she comes in second. Katrina Allen, you know she's in my top three every week. Pretty much. 
You know, I kind of feel me. bad for Kat because I never pick her to win. I always pick her in like second well, or third. She doesn't win a lot. <laughs> and nine times out of ten, I'm right. Yeah, like she doesn't really win <laughs> a lot. She's always in there. She doesn't. She hangs around though. She's kind of like Sexton used to be, where if you're picking a top ten and you put Nate Sexton at sixth place, you were right eight times out of yeah. ten. Yeah. Like he was always, just, he was never winning, but he was never out of it. He was just always. Because he plays that Sexton golf, man. He was always there. Um, Really quick, I want to do a Dark Horse picks. Then I want to come back to a question. Uh, so Dark Horse picks for this week. Coffee on the line. We're going with last week's winner. What is your dark horse pick first? Please tell me it's not the same as mine. Ooh, but I get to choose first though. Yeah, you're so. picking first. So. I'm going. I, it's probably not the same. I'm going with Michael Mayo. Okay, I think it's Mayo. It's got to be Mayo. Sure. Okay, well it's spelled M A Y O Cinco de Mayo. So it's also spelled like mayonnaise. It's also spelled like Mayo. Okay, well I don't know. He has a YouTube channel, Michael. That's the only way I know him. Yeah, so I'm going with him. He is 986. And he's rated. in Arkansas, local. Exactly. I am, That's why I'm I choosing almost picked him. him. He's Arkansas. He lives like two and a half hours from. Oh, you went deep. You went. You went to Google Maps. I just <laughs> looked up how far away is. What's his house like? How far away is Conway? <laughs> I literally googled how far away is Conway from Jonesboro. Nice. And um, he has been like at the Vintage Open. He placed higher than a lot of people who are rated better than him. So. All right, I get good to pick, pick second. I almost picked him, and then I saw one of my my good buddies in there. I'm going with my boy from Clemson. He's been riding it out on the road. Sam. He's been grinding it out. Sam Drummond. He's had some great finishes. He's cashed at like two. I really want to. I really want to see him play again because like he was a good college disc golfer, but he was not as good as he had been playing. That's what I'm saying. He's he he been popping it. off. I mean, I can almost taste the horchata latte. I'm going to make one of you buy me next week. It, Sam, right. I'm riding your back to the finale. Well, you guys are ridiculous because there's only one real winner here, and his name is Mason Marchbanks. Mason Marchbanks, I've never even met this guy in real life. I only know him through a mutual friend, but I sent him my old flat top glow gator earlier this He's going to ride that thing to victory. Earlier this year, and he was begging me for it for so long. I finally sent it to him, and I just know he's been tossing it all over Jonesboro. If it's even in his bag, I'm pretty sure it is because he begged me for it. But he probably got it in and hated it. He's 993 rated, and that's my pick, man. Mason so there's, there's our three. Who will win? Who will win? We will see. I'm just trying to like. Okay, <laughs> I'm just trying not to come in last again. To be honest, yeah, honestly, I mean, I'm I'm a little salty. I didn't get. It. I mean, the, the the rating thing was fair. It makes complete sense. It does. I just don't. The like coffee's it. pretty good, by the way. Nice, nice. Shout out see to if Third I don't Wave. Spill it. Don't be uh, shouting out. It's my brother's company. I can shout him out if I want. This is my podcast. <laughs> I am a co-host. I choose the shout out. Um, really quick, I want to bring up an interesting, interesting point that a guy by the name of Silas Schultz. So Brody Smith, everyone yeah, knows Brody Smith. I don't yeah. know why he's the last name. Brody had a debate night last night on his Instagram. Always a good time. Always interesting to listen to. Um, he was actually he was also teasing hopefully him starting a podcast which he's talked about multiple times yeah but eventually it'll happen i'm sure completely unrelated to what i'm about to say he brought silas schultz on and silas's hot take was silas, if you're listening to this man just give me a follow back on instagram that'd be great all right go ahead <laughs> silas's, silas's hot take was based on page and basically was saying like this was her best shot at getting a thousand rated yeah because of what he called rona ratings i love that which i have never thought of this so basically his point which is so valid is the coronavirus like shutdown of disc golf tournaments and everything gave players a clean slate Mm -hmm. so basically if you were getting better and i was a i took advantage of it that's how i got to almost 990 when everyone who watches me play knows i'm not a 990 yeah i was at like 960 for a month and we were all wondering like how the heck did this happen 
The Rona ratings. Rona ratings. How did man. we not think of this? We should make shirts of this. We're gonna make shirts of this. I don't want to make. A, I don't no. want to profit off of a pandemic. Um, <laughs> no. So the Rona ratings. What he's saying is basically like you had all this time where you didn't play. So then when you first start playing, there's less history. Right. So it's not like there's 30 rounds counted. It's like your most recent eight. Yeah. So it's truer to what you are right then. So he was saying like this was her best shot at getting to a thousand. She was. She was. She had a really good hot streak before corona and those yeah. are the only rounds being counted exactly and then she came out pretty yeah. hot super valid 96 super valid point so and saying like, absolutely correct yes yeah, so he's like and now that she's dropped to 977 which she has hit us with the hot take uh he was like <laughs> i don't think like, it's gonna take her a long time to be able to get back to a thousand rated and he said that here's a hot take he said he thinks that Paige doesn't even believe she's gonna get thousand rated i don't agree with that one I thought you said that his t- hot take was that he doesn't think she's ever going to get it. Oh, he doesn't think. He thinks he thinks the first woman is going that gets to 1000 rated is not going to be Paige. He thinks someone else will. Uh, but that's not I'm what I'm starting I was to believe him. But he, he did make a good point we talked about it last week of like why release the 996 rated disc if like you think you're going to get to 1000. Yeah. That was his whole point. I don't know. I could think be, I think she still believes she can do it. It could like, be Discraft was like, "Hey, you broke the ratings thing. We thought you're going to get to a thousand. This is probably not how the conversation went. We thought you're going to get to a thousand. It's clear you're not going to. We need to drop this like a week before because it was literally a week on the day before mm-hmm. the ratings update came out. We need to get this out of here before because she was the, high, the highest rated woman of all time. If you look it up, Paige Pierce, 996. Yeah. That was the record. So I think it was more like a disc craft, like, hey, we need here, to make these discs. We were holding them to see if you got to a thousand. You didn't. We need to make it. Let's do it. Here's what I'll say. If he has a really good point, the whole like Rona ratings thing, completely valid. The whole page will never get to a thousand rated. If she comes out to Jonesboro this weekend and averages like 1030, like she did last time, then I'm going to be like, no, she probably can. Well, but well, yeah, it's going to get harder and harder. I, I agree though. Like, I don't, and like, I think Paige is probably like, she's in her prime. She's at the peak of her career. So if she can't, she had a bad stretch though. And she was so close. Like, I don't know, but like bad stretches are part of golf too. So like it, the hard part to me is like it might be she this might, was her best shot. I agree with him there. I think she might she might be able to do it still, but yeah, it's gonna be really difficult now because now she's almost back rating wise to like I think it was like August of last year or something before then. I I think yeah, but then there's like ratings inflation too though to where like naturally ratings are gonna get higher. I don't even want to dive into it, but his but points were valid. Inflation goes up like two to three points a year yeah that's what i'm saying like that but so that's years and years, years. she probably won't i'm be just saying for other i'm just saying for other players that are that are getting yeah. good right now but yeah he's got good points i will say yeah, the that the rona ratings i mean i'm that's ticked out. i didn't think of that yeah because that's genius smart uh something that someone emailed us um that is a very interesting topic as we look at different events in disc golf we've talked about outside money mm-hmm. in disc golf right how important it is yeah uh do you remember who emailed us this first I am not 100% sure. I might have to double check and like throw in a credit somewhere in the comments. Yeah. But uh, basically, he emailed and asked about the idea of crowdfunding in disc golf. And I'll just kind of explain what he was talking about. But um, I thought this was interesting because we always talk about getting more money in the sport and we talk about outside people. But hey, what about inside people? And obviously, we all fund the sport by participating in it and buying discs and well, right now, doing the tournaments and all that. Money thing. in disc golf goes in a circle. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, 
the idea of crowdfunding um, esports is a big example um, that is used crowdfunding. There's multiple, there's two different schools of thought. You could say, well, we could use crowdfunding. What crowdfunding is, is basically people that are with like involved in the sport. It's almost like a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter sort yeah. of thing. You're just like, it's like donating money to make something happen that you want to see happening. Uh, we've seen Kickstarter be really successful within disc golf. People see a product within disc golf that they want to happen. They are clearly willing to invest in it. So there's two ways that could be used in disc golf. Number one, the more simple solution and what the guy in the email is proposing was like, I think what he was proposing was like added cash for tournaments. Yeah. What if they're, what if they opened up crowdfunding? If they opened up crowdfunding to worlds and say, Hey guys, let's get disc golf on the map. Let's make the purse for worlds crazy. Everybody just contribute what you can. I don't doubt that they could raise a million dollars. Oh yeah. Cause you can like, easily do like, you know, if you donate X amount, you get a commemorative yeah. disc. If you donate 10 bucks, you get a commemorative t-shirt to where you're like, you're throwing three bucks in on well, a t-shirt, even, you get seven bucks. Even even if it even without a reward, if you were just like, hey, just throw a few bucks in there, like I don't doubt that a copious amount of money. I'd throw be money raised. at it. Right. Like I'd chuck in a few bucks, like sure. Like, so that's one school of thought is like, hey, like let's just like get these events, like let's open them up to crowdfunding. The only thing about that is it's kind of like I, you could argue like, yeah, it's good to help get disc golf on the map, but it's kind of a little like unprofessional. It's like, not sustainable. Right. And it's not sustainable where crowdfunding is really used and valuable is to like fund an idea or an organization to help the sport as a total. So like if everybody in disc golf is like, man, if we could just afford to do this, put on this program or have this organization, it could really help the sport. That's where like crowdfunding, I think could be more in use but i'm curious like to discuss this one in the comments and maybe we'll be able to talk about it uh on another episode because we're kind of running out of time and there's kind of a like i never even considered this but it was a really good point because like yeah i think i mean could you imagine like crowdfunding for a world's purse like so much money we would blow the purse record out of the water because you'd already have the added money they were going to get and then people would donate people would donate because like They'd want to see it happen. And, and as it picked up traction and got yeah. higher and higher, you're like, people, oh my words, it half a million pe- already. Yeah, people would just keep going and it would just be like a snowball. And like, because we would get close to like, oh, we're getting close to a million. Like, just get it there. And everybody would donate again. Like, oh, we're going to get it to a million. Like, it could be crazy. I would be, I think it'd be cool to do it at least once just to see what the potential of a disc golf purse could be. I agree. I mean, I think it'd be, uh, it's a cool one off thing. And like, if you had a disc golf purse that had a million dollars, it would be a big storyline across right. the board. Right. But, like I said, it's not sustainable. Yeah. It does kind of look like a little weird or unprofessional yeah. because, like, imagine seeing the Masters sponsored by GoFundMe. Like- yeah, <laughs> I think I think the better way to use crowdfunding in disc golf is kind of like how Kickstarter is being used, where like yeah. we get behind an idea or a product. Well, that's already that's already been used. and that's already happening. Like, that's, it's we've seen what are the uh, birdie the disc the board game, uh, the hydrogen loft the putter. Be- the best example of this that could be like. A bigger thing, though, would be like if the Pro Tour was like, hey, if we raise this much money, uh, we can add 10 more tour stops and we can make our we can add these enhancements to our live network or something like that. And then like that would be a good thing. That's a good point. Right. That would be like, okay, if we all get behind this, we can do make the Pro Tour this much better. We can see it. It's tangible and it's definitely going to help grow this. If if the Pro Tour put out like a here is our live coverage plan. And like if we reach. If we get to this amount of funding, we're going to add two cameras. Right. If we get to this amount of funding, we're going to, you know, have the yeah. commentating team on site. If we get to this <laughs> amount of funding, then we're going to do whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like disc golf, like we're so young, like you can't. You got to be humble and like 
you know, get help where it's needed because yeah. like, people are willing to like try to make this sport. I think a lot of like money and efforts to help the sport grow might go like not unnoticed, but like they might be kind of done in vain because they're just not in the right spots. But there's so many people that want to help. There's just not that one spot to like to actually do it to do it. So yeah, yeah I think crowdfunding is just, like, needs to happen more in this golf. Yeah, really quick before we go into our final segment, I did want to mention this piece of news. He's not really much to debate or talk about, but Simon Lazat has officially announced his return to competition uh, and basically to the tour. It will happen at the OTB Open in just over a month. I believe that event is in May. Mm-hmm. Um, he is going to first play, I believe it's a local like B, D or, B or C tier. Yeah. He said it was a more like short technical course. Right. Well, he said um, he's still throwing like 80% power, but yeah. that's obviously plenty for Simon. Yeah. I mean, if you've seen his video at New London, I think he shot like a seven down. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest courses I know of. I will bet. I would bet Simon, he may come back playing better golf than he ever has. I mean, 50% power. He's probably still throwing what, like 400 feet, 450? 50% power. He was throwing like, I mean, if Simon throws 100%, he can throw 700 feet. Yeah, on a full distance shot. On a normal drive, it might be like 500 feet, though. On just a normal drive down a fairway, you think Simon's just going to rip 700 feet? I think he's going to rip like close to 600, yeah. Have you forgot how far Simon throws? Simon will throw like sky hyzers, like four, 400. I've watched Simon on coverage. Call, like, like That requires like 600 plus feet of distance. I've watched, okay, but like... I'm not talking about hyzers. I'm talking about I'm talking golf distance. Which one thing that's confusing about golf distance is what like are you talking about? A player a player who throws six hundred feet can easily or maybe we'll go five hundred feet. If like I go to a field and throw five hundred feet in the field, that is farther than throwing five hundred feet on a disc golf course. What? I promise you. Wait, what are you talking about right now? Like if you take me right now, I yeah. could, if you took me to a field my farthest is probably going like 420. Sure. Right? If you put further. me on a disc if you put me on a disc golf hole that's like a straight 400 foot shot, I could probably hit it with like a vulture. I think there's something off with disc golf distances on that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying like like some of these players <laughs> That doesn't add up. <laughs> it doesn't, but I promise you. Like you could see like there's 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 a hole where Paul threw a Luna 400 feet to the hole. If you put Paul on a football field, he's not throwing a Luna 400 feet. What are you trying to say? Like gravity pulls different on disc golf no, courses? I, think, I don't know what the like way uh, we measure a hole is. I'm just saying like the hole distance, like y- you can probably throw farther if you go to a disc golf course and you're just basically going on like I guess this hole is 450 and I'm 20 feet away. I, I just threw it 430 and then you go to a field and you throw a full flex shot and you're like, I only got 425. I get the effect. <clears throat> Excuse me. I get the effect you're talking about. I do notice that sometimes I think it has to do with like, Sometimes when you're trying to throw full distance shots, like you actually are not throwing as far because you're like, you know, it's the whole, you know, being slowing things down. Sometimes you actually throw further. So I think that has something to do with it. Well, I think part of it is also like how holes are measured. Like sometimes yeah. you, they'll measure like I, I walk down the fair because they'll use like a rolly thing to walk down the fairway. Right? right. And it'll go like, so it was like 200 to the corner and then we went here yeah. and then we went they here. They don't go, a lot of them it was don't, like 600 feet. A lot of them don't go directly to the basket. Point A to point B is like 410. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think, yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear that a lot of disc golf courses are poorly measured. That's know. that's what I was saying, basically. Yeah. It's okay. like true. So I think that Simon throwing in a field, like, let's just say 375 to 400 feet at 50% power, he's obviously going to have a lot of control over that. You put him on tour, I think that's like 450 tour power, and I think he's going to be good. 
I think he's I think he's going to have all the distance yeah, he needs. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I don't care how hard he throws. He's got to make putts. Well, yeah, but Simon's putting's always been super streaky because he's a spin putter. So when he's on, anymore. he is on. Yeah. All right, let's jump into the last segment of this show. Make that call. I've got a pretty interesting one for you here. Okay. Let me put you in a scenario. Paint me in there. <laughs> so you're in a tournament. You mm-hmm. and I are on the same card of this tournament. Okay. Man. I go ahead Jello. and putt out. I hit a 50-footer. Okay. You're 45 feet out. I had a 50 footer. Big putt me. Yeah. And you go, and I'm like starting to walk in, and you're like, don't worry about it. Just leave it. And so my disc is sitting in the chains. You told me, don't worry about it. Never. No, you did in this scenario. Like, don't worry about it. Just leave it. Yeah. Your putt, dead center, nails it, hits my disc, and knocks my disc out of the basket. So now my disc is laying on the ground. There's a weird scenario that might not ever happen, but this is a cool one. My disc is now laying on the ground. Yeah. Next to the basket. Mm hmm. Did my putt count, or do I have to go tap it out? Oh, darn. Well, so... Basically, the question here is, where did the disc come to rest? Is right, it... Right, yeah. right, okay. That's the question you gotta Well, man, I'm gonna be really mad at PGA if this goes the wrong way. Because <laughs> um, in ball golf, the rule is, like, if you hit a, a shot onto a green and it hits another ball, wherever your ball ends up, it's completely fine. Like you could bank off somebody and go into the hole. It's a home one, but wherever their ball ends up, if you knock them into the hole, for example, it, you have to put it, the ball back where it was within reason, like to try to figure out where exactly it was. Um, so I would assume that disc golf would adopt those exact same rules. And I almost think they do. I think if you hit a disc on the ground, I think you have to move that disc back to where it was. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say the putt counts whenever the next person starts that disc if it's in the basket at rest, like it's dead, it's in. You're right. Thank yep. goodness. Once I was going to be came to rest, supported by the basket. You completed the hole. This is the weird part: is like you can just walk up and pick your disc up off the ground and go to the next hole. Like that would yeah. just feel so weird. I would have been so mad at the PDGA no. if for some reason that did not count. The more common application of this rule is like if your disc came to rest in a river, like the base of a river, and then flows, and then the water picks up and picks it up and moves it, you go back to where it was at rest. Yeah. Or like if your disc came to rest and the wind stood it up and rolled it after it was clearly at rest. But if back. it goes in the river and it was never at rest? Yeah, that's the weird one. Because like I'm saying, like if it's a strong current, it kind of just like, it's a, you throw a drag and that thing floats, and it just <laughs> lands in there, and like it, it never stops moving forward, and then it just I ho- think it's like, pops off there, right there's next some to the basket. Type of, I, I wasn't looking at it because of the scenario, but there is some type of language of like what is causing the disc to move. Right. So I think like where it enters is where mm. it is. Okay. But I'm not positive I'm sure. on that one. Maybe that's because like that scenario. probably happens all the time. Maybe people throw that, that might be next week's scenario. Is Trevor's throwing a dragon? You've done off the another team. one though with water like that. I think it was the one where it gets picked up though. Yeah, I think I got picked up. That's okay. why I only bag our pro wahoos. Yeah, they float, man. But you don't like the dragon? No, I you're like. Not wa- a dra- you're, you I'm like a wahoo guy. You make you're wahoo. Wahoo wah, you know? I don't yeah. think they make dragons anymore. Why don't we make more discs that float? Just like name it the boat. Well, because like to make a disc float, like you, the inside of the rim is like hollowed out. That's cool. But like, what's the point? It doesn't. It floats. But I'm sure that like affects the aerodynamics and stuff. (laughs) I I don't know. I'm just surprised like nobody ever makes those anymore. When like I think it doesn't get made to like the beginner player. They're gonna be like. If they like their, I had a dragon in my bag. If the course near them has water, they're like, "Oh, sick! I can have a driver that's like my main driver." Or even Blizzard discs, they floated. They floated. Yeah, with the air bubbles in the rim. I think it's just they float, not they floated. No, like when I had them in my bag, they floated. 
they still probably do float. I just don't have them in my bag anymore. <laughs> They're still floating. Okay. Yeah, like, like when I used to throw them, they used to float. Okay. Yeah. They're probably still floating. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But like, I mean, everyone had a dragon in their bag. I something. did not have a dragon in my wahoo bag. Or a I had a wahoo. No. You I got I got a wahoo. Did you not play where water was? No, I didn't have water oh, in my okay. course. That makes sense. I got my wahoo signed by Nate Sexton. Nice. My, my R Pro wahoo. That's sick. You're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that is a good point i don't i wonder why other companies haven't expanded into that man between that and the bedtime basket i'm gonna be a very rich man <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna wrap it up for this week hopefully you've enjoyed this week's episode let us know down in the comments below what you think of the crowdfunding idea and also uh what else you want to hear us talk about if you're a fan of deep dives into into statistics and all of that good stuff check out our new show the foundation recap, I believe is what I'm calling it. What did I, what did I call it last week? <laughs> I forgot what I called it last time I, I did it. Even... There was one there was one that the P, the Pro Tour already has. And no. I, I don't remember if it was like... No, like there they're... was the Bevel breakdown. So it is the foundation recap on Saturday. Uh, it'll be premiering immediately after the live round. <laughs> it'll be going live. Name. Me, Trevor, and Nick Carl will be breaking down the statistics, telling you what we expect to see on Sunday, all of that good stuff. It should be a great time. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, that'll be happening on the Foundation Podcast channel over on YouTube if you're listening to this on audio. And um, yeah, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be the first show that we're doing live uh, in a while. Griplock used Man. to be live way back in the day. I remember. Way back when. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, though, we'd really appreciate if you left us a review. And if you're listening, if you're here on YouTube, make sure you turn the notifications on, uh, like the video, and subscribe. We really appreciate all of those things, and we will talk to you next week.